Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet, literally around the world, church service. I'm so happy that you're here today, and I believe that through God's Word, your faith is going to be strengthened and built up, and you are going to be blessed today. Praise God. Well, let's open up today in Psalm 112. We're going to take a look at verse 1, and we're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings, and we're going to bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. Praise God. Now, as we're going to look at Psalm 112 and verse 1, let me, let me begin by sharing this part of the tithe and offering portion of the service today by making a statement. And that statement is this, your decisions decide your wealth. Okay, I want to say that one more time. Your decisions decide your wealth. There are many Christians, and I mean that literally, not just a few. There are many Christians who think that God decides a person's wealth. But God doesn't decide their wealth you decide your own wealth based upon your decisions. God is not making decisions for your life. You are the one who is making the decisions for your life. For example, as a Christian, you can make the quality decision to become a tither. That's a decision between uh, you and nobody else. That's your decision to make. So you can make a decision to be a tither and by doing that, you begin to come into a place where you establish a financial covenant between you and the Lord. There are Christians out there that don't tithe, and they are subjected to whatever the world may throw at them. And right now, the, uh, what's being thrown at the world is this thing that we all are aware of called the coronavirus. And because of its contagiousness, you know, it has caused a lot of companies, a lot of employers to tell their employees, look, don't come to work, just work from home. And for those that would have a type of job where you, you can't really work from home, they're just told to go home and, you know, come back after the whole thing's over with and then start working again. Well, for many of them, it's being sent home with no paycheck. Well, I tell you what, situations like that, it sure is good to have a covenant with God. And when you have a covenant with God, you can't go down unless He goes down. How many of you watching today know that God will never go down? <laughs> Woo! Praise God. So when you have a covenant with the Lord financially, you're going to be okay. But if you don't have that, uh, it's a very dangerous position because the world is a very shaky place, especially right now. So that is a decision that you can make a decision to be a tither. Decisions decide wealth. Your decision to obey God's commandments, to do that or not to do that. That's a decision that you can make. Psalm 112, verse 1, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Not only is this an individual that's obeying the commandments, this is an individual that delights in obeying the commandments of God. What happens to a person like that, Pastor Stephen? Verse 3, wealth and riches will be. 
not maybe, not hopefully, no, will be in his house. In the house of who? In the house of the person that keeps the commandments of the Lord. That is a decision that you make every day, whether or not you're going to keep the commandments of God. Your decisions decide your wealth. Your decision to save or not to save. The multimillionaire Warren Buffett said that you can never get into the multiplication of money until you have learned to save money. Okay? So, saving money is a basic, and you can't multiply money until you've learned to save money. But saving money is a decision that you make, and it's not so much a decision on how much that you're going to save, whether you're going to save $100 or $10 or whatever you might be able to do. It's not so much the amount as it is the choice, the decision that you're going to save something. Okay, because everybody could at least save a dollar. Pastor Stephen, I make, I make more than that. Well, I understand that. I understand that. But the thing is, is that you could at least save something. You could at least, because sometimes people say, I can't save anything, Pastor Stephen. Yes, you could. You could at least save a dollar. You could at least save a nickel. Praise the Lord. So it's the fact that you are making a decision to save something. And if you begin to save something, now you have something that God can begin to multiply. But if you don't have anything, God, God, God can't multiply zero. Zero times a thousand is still zero. But if you give God something to work with in a savings, then God can begin to bless it. But look, that's a decision that God doesn't make for you. That's a decision you have to make yourself. God's not making your decisions. If God made the decisions, God would decide that today everybody is going to be saved. And whether we like it or not, we're all going to get saved because God has decided it. But God has never, ever done that. As much as He wants everyone to be saved and to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, and to receive forgiveness of sins, and to receive eternal life, He can't put that over on somebody. That's an individual choice. That is a decision that an individual has to make. Woo, praise God. Pastor Stephen, I, I don't like this message because this is, t- this is causing me to have to take personal responsibility for my life. Yes, <laughs> yes. And it's your life, and it's your decisions that are deciding your wealth. Mm-mm. Your decision to carry out due diligence. I talked with a minister friend a little while back, and um he was a little bit unhappy, not at me, at a, at a situation that had happened in his life. And he, he told me about it. I'm glad he told me because these things are good for me to hear. They're good for you to hear also. And um, he told me that he bought a new ministry center, beautiful building, and he actually paid cash for it. You know, not literally cash, but, you know, one check. He had the money in the bank, so he writes one check, pays the whole thing off, which is, which is wonderful. But he told me that when he was walking through the facility with the salesman, that he noticed water on the, on the uh, underside of the roof of the ceiling. And he told the salesman, uh, you know, the salesman is speaking on behalf of the seller. So the salesman is going to side with the seller, and the salesman is going to try to sell the building. Okay, so my minister friend, who's the buyer... He sees the water up there and says, hmm, looks like there's a roof leak. 
And the salesman, who's a Christian salesman, but, you know, got to watch that. You know, there's a lot of play in the, quote, Christian salesman, because a lot of these guys or gals, they'll drop their ethics in order to make a sale. Now, that will hurt them in the long run. That's sowing bad seed. You're going to reap a bad harvest. But nevertheless, a lot of people get in the flesh when they see, you know, profit and stuff like that. So the salesman told my minister friend, oh, no, that's not a roof leak. That's just a little bit of condensation from the HVAC system. Oh, mm. well, my minister friend did not do due diligence. He did not carry out due diligence. What's due diligence? Get a roofer up on the roof. Pay, pay an inspector uh, to get up there and find out, hey, is this really a roof leak or is this really HVAC condensation? Well, he didn't do that. Bought the facility and found out later after he bought it, uh, after it rained, found out, wow, that's a huge roof leak. Pastor Stephen, are you selling? Are, are you saying that the salesman, Christian salesman, lied? Oh yes, absolutely. Just told a flat out lie and didn't care. Was just trying to make the sale. And uh, you have to watch out for stuff like that. Your decisions decide wealth. The decision to do due diligence, the decision to get a guy up on a ladder, go up there and investigate that, or just to the decision to say, ah, I'll take his word for it. That was a decision that proved very, very costly. My friend told me it cost over one hundred cost over one hundred thousand dollars. The roof was so bad they had to put a new roof up. Mm. No, now, now look, a decision to investigate that previously would have caused a dramatic reduction in the overall price. Now you can have leverage uh, as you negotiate a lower price because the thing needs a, the building needs an entire new roof. But none of that was done, and now that it's discovered after the fact, nothing you can do about it except start pulling money out of your pocket. Mm. Wow. See, life, my friends, is not just one big decision. In the sense that you do have those moments where you're going to buy a house or you're going to, you know, uh, you're going to do something that's really going to make an impact on your finances or you're going to buy a, a vehicle or something like that. So you, you do want to be really wise and dialed in. And a lot of times people get it right on the big ones. But you have to realize you're making decisions every single day. And really, it's the totality of the smaller decisions as they are compiled and grouped together that far outweigh the few big choices that you have to make every now and then it is your decisions that decide your wealth and every day the decisions that you are making not God God's not making them you are every day the decisions that you are making are either getting you closer to God's prosperity plan for your life or they're getting you further away from it mm, your decisions decide wealth praise God Thank you, Lord Jesus. And on and on it goes with this area of decisions. Now, I believe that this is the year of wise decision making. You're going to get it right over and over and over again. And remember, you're making decisions every single day, multiple decisions every single day. But I believe that through the wisdom of God, you're going to begin to stop and look at every decision uh, in light of God's Word, in light of the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, in light of the uh, inner witness of the Holy Spirit, woo, praise God. Mm. And you're going to begin to make right decisions over and over and over again. What's going to happen? You're going to walk right into prosperity. 
you're going to walk right into a place where you realize I'm rich. Hallelujah. Now in your, in your spirit, by faith, you already take that covenant blessing. Praise God. You possess it by faith, but this is how you walk into it. You walk into it. It's not luck. It's not chance that you, you step in the prosperity. It is wise decision-making over and over and over again. And then you end up into that place that is a fruit of the righteous, wise choices that you have made. And you'll realize when you're there, it's not luck. You didn't get there by luck. You didn't get into that place of prosperity by, you know, having won the lottery. You got there through wise decision making. Your decisions, not God's, not your brother-in-law's, not your best friends. Your decisions decide your wealth. By the way, the decision of who you listen to. You know, we've all got some kooky family members. I know you're raising your hand. Yes, amen on that one. Some of you are raising both hands. We've all got some kooky family members that think they know it all. They th- they think they could uh, advise, uh, you know, the world's wisest men. They would actually have the world's wisest men sit down while they espouse to them their philosophy of wisdom and so-called whatever. It's really just a bunch of baloney. They don't have any wisdom. That's why their life is goofed up. But yet they think they can speak into your life and tell you how you're supposed to live your life. If you listen to a goofball like that, you made a decision to receive foolish counsel. Okay? So these these decisions decide our wealth. Who do we listen to? You know, knuckleheads that don't know anything? People that are we going to let somebody that's impoverished tell us how we're supposed to handle our finances? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So you have to be very careful about what you allow into your ear. Praise God. Because those things will influence the way you make your decisions, and your decisions do what? They decide your wealth. Praise God. Be very selective with your hearing. Yes, love all people. Love all people. But that doesn't mean you receive advice or counsel from all people. Uh, Lord, have mercy. Absolutely not. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. All right, Psalm 112, verse 1, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Keep the commandments of God. It's a choice. Be very wise with your decisions. This is the year of wise decisions. What will it lead you to? Wealth and riches in your house. How about that also? Your house. Your house. You're going to have a house. Pastor Stephen, if I keep making wise decisions, where will I end up at? In a house, owning a home owning a home, and then God supplying your home with wealth and riches. Tangible proof. See, wisdom has proofs. Tangible proof that you have made consecutive wise decisions over and over again. This is your time for lifting up. This is the time for your star to shine. This is the time for the illumination, the wisdom of God to be reflected through the choices that you make. My friends, every day, every day, walk in the wisdom of God and make those choices right through the counsel and the wisdom of God's Word. Now, Father, I'm praying for your people that as they bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse, into the storehouse, I just thank you, Father God, that as they bring the giving in, that wisdom is being released upon their mind, upon their thoughts, and they are going to make nothing but right choices. Now, Father, we give you praise. We give you praise 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Woo! Praise God. Praise the Lord. I believe that what I've just shared is going to cause some of you to slow down on your choices, on the decisions that you have to make. Because you could rush and go fast and then make some uh, really bad uh, decisions. And some things can be fixed, but at great cost, okay? So you're going to slow down and you're going to get it right. Now, as you bring the tithes and offerings today into the storehouse of God, write this on your check, write this on your giving. Decisions decide wealth. Okay, write that down. Decisions decide wealth. And as you bring that into the storehouse of God, just write that on there. Praise God. Hallelujah. Those of you that want to bring it in, the tithes and offerings. Let me say this before I give the mailing address and, and things like that. <clears throat> this is a spiritual principle that your decisions decide your wealth. You could carry it over into another entire category. Your decisions also decide your health. Now, I'm not going to jump into that, but do you see how it's the same thing? Pastor Stephen, uh, I'm sick. I'm sick. Well, hold on a minute. The angels did not force you to eat all of that greasy food. The angels did not clog up your arteries by shoving down fried burritos into your mouth every day. They didn't do that. You, you made a decision to do that. Nobody was forcing you to do that. That was your own choice. Those are your own decisions. About 20 years ago, Pastor Benny Hinn was having heart trouble, and he went before the Lord, and he said, Lord, I, you know, you've given me a healing ministry, and many people have been healed through my ministry, but I'm having my own personal challenge, and Lord, I'm asking you, and the Lord just interrupted him and said, it's your, it's your decisions that you're making of what you eat. You're, you're eating things that are causing negative health effects, and then you're turning around, and you're coming to me asking me to do something about it, when this is a product of your own decisions. That, in essence, is what the Lord told him. And so he changed the type of foods that he was eating, and he started eating healthier. And guess what? The problems with the heart, they just, you know, it went away. It was an effect. It was a, how can I say? It was an effect of him using his faith for healing, but also applying good decision-making, put that together. Next thing you know, he was stepping in the health. Pastor Stephen, I want God to heal me. Well, are you going to start eating right? Are you going to start, you know, drinking more water? Are you going to start, uh, you know, endeavoring to go out at least exercise for maybe 30 or 20 minutes every day? Okay, we're, we, we know that maybe you're not going to win the Boston Marathon or the New York Marathon. We know that really you're probably not uh, aiming for a gold in Tokyo at the, uh, at the Olympics. But still, that doesn't mean that you should just be a couch potato. Praise God. Hallelujah. Your decisions decide your wealth. Yes, your decisions also decide your health. Mm, praise the Lord. Let us take personal responsibility for the way we govern our lives. Let's govern our lives by the Word of God. This is the time to make wise decisions. You're coming into the prosperity that God has planned for you, and it is abundant. It is rich. It is uh, affluent. It is overflowing. It is superabounding. Hallelujah. And this is how you get there. Your decisions. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Your decision to be a tither will pay off. Your decision to sow a seed will produce a harvest. Mm. Your decision to keep the commandments of God will bring honor and dignity and, and favor rushing into your life. 
Praise the Lord. Now, those of you that would like to bring your tithes and offerings in by mail, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code 28654. Those of you that would like to bring the tithes and offerings in through the internet, online, please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings Sow and Reap, and you can go there right now and bring them into the storehouse of God. If you would like to sow seed, now remember, offering or seed is different from the tithe. The tithe is 10% that belongs to God. God says out of every $10, one belongs to me. So we give God the tithe. We pay the tithe. The tithe belongs to him. But if you would also like to sow seed, to bring an offering into the house of the Lord, we have two current ministry projects that we're focusing on. We have the fence project and we have the hangar project. That is at the website under the header called projects and you can click on that and you'll see those two projects by the way we just finished phase two of the fence project we have paid out over twenty thousand dollars on the fence project and it looks absolutely beautiful we are getting compliments from the neighbors neighbors have said uh, pastor Stephen, that is a total professional uh, incredible looking fence and we just say uh, praise God amen and it is it is an absolutely beautiful fence we are fencing the entire 1.72 acres of the property and it's coming along so we have completed phase two we're making the turn now where we have another long run and uh, so we're just doing this on a basis where we have the money in the bank and we pay as we go so we need to build that fund back up so we get ready for phase three phase three is going to include an electric gate uh, so it will just open electronically and so that will uh, phase three will be a little bit more so any offering that you sow into that is greatly appreciated. And also the hanger project that is also coming along just fine. Thank you for sowing into both of those. Woo, glory to God. Now what I'm going to do soon is I'm going to get out there with my camera and I'm going to walk the fence and I'll show you the beautiful work that has been accomplished through your giving. And I'll pop that up on YouTube. Hallelujah. Be looking for that soon. Praise God. Glory to God. So Father, bless your people. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom flowing from heaven. Wise decisions. Woohoo! Glory to God. Mm -mm. The wisdom of God all over your mind. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This, this decision making, my friends, is very important. I had a, a very nice man in my church one time, and he was making wonderful uh, <clears throat> wonderful money uh, big big money and uh, he was the largest tither in the church but while he was a good tither he did not save he, he was making really good money and he was spending it on uh, uh, just on all kinds of stuff and uh, and he was he was a good giver I mean sometimes he'd take me shopping with him and uh, he'd, he'd buy me some things, let me pick out some things that would be a blessing to me and my family, and he'd pay for it. He was a, had a wonderful heart, um, but he didn't really save. He just he would spend all of his money on everything, and if he had you know extra, he would find he would find somewhere to spend it, and uh, ended up uh, getting kind of like hooked on buying uh, unusual type things that were you know like. Um, I'm not sure what they were called, but just uh, these antique type things that he would buy, and he just fell in love with it, just buy, would buy them and buy them and had hordes of them, and uh, 
about two years after that, he hit a money crunch. He had a, a situation happen at his work, and there were layoffs and, and things like that, and he didn't have any savings in the bank. He just spent everything all the time. And boy, you you talking about putting every all that stuff that he had bought, which was uh, I would classify it as vanity items. Uh, it was just uh, it was not so much buying anything that he needed. It was just that sensation, that high, that shoppers high, or that thrill that shoppers can have when they buy something. That good feeling, that you know, the the releasing of the, those chemicals that your um, that happens with your body when you have the happy moment. Uh, that rush. Well, he he just liked that through all the shopping. Uh, but I tell you what, when his crunch hit, he's putting all of that stuff on eBay trying to sell it. And a lot of it was unusual stuff. So it's not like that's really, you can really liquidate that. So what was that poor decision making? You have to make good decisions. Your decisions are either getting closer to the prosperity of God or further away. Okay. So I'm going to wrap that section up of the service today. Make good decisions. It's very, very important. Very, very important. All right. Praise God. Let's go today to one of the most beautiful Psalms in the Bible. Psalm 91, and let's talk about being protected in the secret place. Praise God. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would flow woo, with illumination, quickening, and understanding. We give you praise. We thank you for the work that you're doing. You are great. You are great. And you are good. Father, we bless you. In the name of Jesus, thank you for your anointing. In Jesus' name, we pray. And we all agree and say, Amen. Now, Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide or lodge or camp out under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, so Psalm 91, one of the greatest statements in Scripture concerning divine protection. But my friends, it all hinges on verse 1. Woo, it's all based out of relationship. You can be a Christian, watch this, listen to me very, very carefully. You can be a Christian and still go down just like anybody else if you don't have a strong walk with the Lord. See, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Well, it's all about knowing God. What is that? That's all again. It's relationship. Pastor Stephen, I want to be strong. Well, then you know the Lord. You need to really know the Lord. That means an intimate walk with God. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. See, he who dwells there, not just, you know, like the occasional visitor. God, I'm back. It's been about a month since I last talked to you, but here I am. Well, if you're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, then you're going to come into that place where all of these beautiful promises of Psalm 91 are realized and manifested in your life. And I'll be honest, in the world in which we live today, you really have to fight to get into this place. I'm not talking physically, you know, where you're boxing against or, you know, something like that or anything like that. I'm talking about you have to really push in the sense that, uh, your flesh doesn't want to 
pray and spend time with God, uh, especially, you know, if the weather's great and uh, there's all these options for you to do and all of this entertainment and all of that stuff, your soul wants to be entertained and would rather go to a show or rather would watch a movie and, or, you know, so you really have to be disciplined and you really have to be hungry and you have to push to get into that place. And then once you're there, you have to you have to, in a sense, also fight to maintain it, that you do not move out of that place of blessing and favor and anointing and strength. And this is the challenge of the Christian life, is to maintain that strong walk with God. Look, this is the challenge of ministers, of pastors, of preachers, of apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers, to not only be in that place, but to walk with God in that place. You know, Enoch was not famous because he had a casual relationship with God. He was famous because of the strong, consistent walk with God. So we see a lot of emphasis in Scripture on success being rooted out of consistency, a consistent walk with God. And that's something in many ways, again, that would be up to us, our hunger, our thirst to go after God, to pursue Him. And when God sees that movement, then He responds. But we really need to make that push to get into that place with the Lord. Here's a little, here's a little rabbit trail. Here's a wisdom nugget that I'd like to give you today to help you understand a, a symbol. Uh, let me give you something better, a, a sign or a token. Yes, that's a better word of when you are really kind of in that secret place and you are uh, uh, as a mechanic would say, you're hitting on all cylinders, okay? When you're in that secret place and you're really close to the Lord, I've discovered, and I've, I've heard other uh, ministers talk about it from all different walks of Christianity, from the mystic saints to the Pentecostal preachers to, you know, others around the world, even in, uh, Nazarene preachers, Baptist preachers that really go after the Lord, even. Um, even those in Eastern Orthodox, Catholic, you know, or whatever it might be, if you really pursue God and you really know the Lord, this this thing will start popping up in your life. And I it's I I, I always know it when it happens. And if you walk close with the Lord, you can maintain it. What will happen is that your life will start to become poetic. Oh, I, I, I don't mean that you're going to sit down with a pen and paper, start writing out poetry, and say, "Brother, here's a poem. Enjoy." That that's not what I'm saying. Although, if you if some poetry, in a sense, in a literal sense, starts popping out, it wouldn't surprise me either. But what you'll notice is that everything starts going prophetically poetic, and it, it the Lord starts tying your life together. Everything starts flowing in this beautiful poetic, which is a, actually a prophetic type stream give you an example. When I was in California, uh, I went to a, a pastor's meeting in the evening. Uh, actually, let me say it better. Not so much a pastor's meeting, it was a pastor's dinner, but all the pastoral team was there. So, I felt impressed with the Holy Spirit to give to one of the uh, associate pastors uh, a piece of silver. So, I gave him some silver. Uh, I talked to him about, you know, gold represents divinity. 
silver represents redemption brass represents judgment you know the different metals in the bible have different meaning so i I felt led to give him some silver so i gave him some silver talked about its meaning in his life god redeeming things in his life uh, good stuff like that he made him real happy blessed him and so we sat down he's got his silver he didn't tell anybody because it was just something i blessed him with and we sit down and then another pastor comes in and sits down and just out of the blue starts talking about silver just starts talking about silver and I, and, I, and I so the pastor that I gave the silver to I said now do you see do you see how that what I gave you, you do you see how this person walks in and starts talking about silver do you see the prophetic flow do you see how things start becoming poetic when you walk with the Lord he starts tying everything together like that mm-hmm and he'll do it. He'll, he'll make your whole life like that. One time, me and Kelly were sitting with Prophet Bob Jones at a Cracker Barrel restaurant. His wife, Bonnie, was there. And we were sitting at the restaurant, and Bob Jones was talking to me about the angel breakthrough, the angel named breakthrough. And he said, this angel, this is the way he said it to me. He said, this angel is busy chopping wood right now. He's chopped that. And he said, chopping wood means that behind the scenes in the spirit realm, he's getting ready. He's getting things ready for the next big move of God. So he's chopping wood right now. And so um, about that time, uh, our food shows up and the waitress sits the food on the table and we had been kind of so caught up in talking that we really didn't really notice, you know, the table that we're sitting at or any of the uh, pictures on the wall. But as soon as we got our food and kind of pulled out of the conversation a little bit, we look up and right above our heads, we see a picture of a lumberjack chopping wood. And Bob sees that immediately and points. He said, see there, that there it is right there. He said, the chopping of wood. And then wind starts blowing through our legs blowing around our arms he said do you feel the wind I said yes and that's he said that's the presence of the angel so what what happens everything starts going prophetic everything starts becoming poetic where it's tied together in these ways that you recognize it's the spirit of God now if you're in the flesh and you try to fake that uh, you'll be you'll be you know be making stuff up all the time and creating goofy scenarios that don't really exist all the time but when you really do walk with the Lord and you when you really do live in the secret place this stuff is just normal everything starts flowing flowing together um, the Apostle of God named John G Lake said that when he really came into a deeper walk with the Lord he said the same thing he said his entire life became poetic where you know you do something and what the the moment you do it you turn around and the next thing you know something is like validating what you just did everything starts it's 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 a fantastic realm to to live in and let let me say this once you're in that secret place you don't really ever want to come out of it Uh, the only reason in a sense you come out of it is sometimes because life just pulls on you so strong with responsibilities and things you have to do so that's the that's the balance of word and spirit you have to be responsible but you also you have to, when I say responsible, you have to get your stuff done, okay? But at the same time, you've got you to stay plugged into the vine. You've got to be in the secret place. That's where all the life, all the blessing, all the anointing, all the joy is flowing from. That's what makes everything else in life enjoyable. That's what makes it, uh, that's what makes life wonderful, praise God. And of course, out of that secret place, there's also divine protection. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Woo! 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There were there are some spiritual things we're, we're tapping into that I would even classify as spiritual laws. I'm not going to deviate, get over into this other subject, but on the dark side, those that practice occult power, and I'm not talking about they practice it on the, the, the superficial level, those that have just given over the evil, they also know that they're vulnerable unless they stay real tied in and to their evil sources. And... Um, I could tell a lot of stories about that, but the thing is, is that whatever God you're serving, you really need to serve God. Whether you're serving the devil or whether you're going to serve the Lord, you serve the Lord, go act, just serve the Lord fully. That way, all the richness and the goodness that God has for you is not just theorized, it's actually lived. Woo, glory to God. And that's what the world wants to see, not another theory, not even really another explanation of it. They just want to see demonstration. They want to see the truths that we proclaim actually working in our lives. And in order to do that, you have to be dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Now, he who does that shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then this goes into personal confessions. When I say the word confession, I'm not talking about confessing sin. I'm talking about confessing the word and harmonizing your faith in agreement with what God said. And you can actually personalize and confess these next verses all the way through the entire uh, Psalm of 91. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Surely, not maybe, not hopefully. When the person lives in the secret place, you can say, surely. In other words, you know it's true. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. And that's really what we see with the coronavirus. We see a perilous, a very dangerous pestilence that is just running rampant throughout the world. Well, Pastor Stephen, what should I do? Well, the number one thing you should do is dwell in the secret place of the Most High because there is protection, there is deliverance. He says that. Surely he shall deliver you from the perilous pestilence. Praise God. And that faith, that reality of that promise is real for the one who's walking in verse 1. What is verse 1? The person who's actually living in the secret place. And if you're not in the secret place, I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm not saying that you're not washed with the blood. I'm not saying that your ticket is punched for, for, for heaven. But if you're not in the secret place, there's a lot of things that you can be vulnerable to because this stuff is out there. This stuff is out there. So let me say it like this. You need to be a Christian who's walking close with God so that your covenant rights and privileges are in forced because of your identity in Christ and you know who you are in Christ and you're not going to let the devil put any of his junk over on you praise the Lord and so this is a very real covenant more real than what a lot of Christians would even understand it is solid it is solid so when you are walking with the Lord yes there is an area of invincibility about your life all where the devil would love to get you but it's just like Job uh, the devil had to stand back and the devil complained to God and basically said I mean he literally said I can't touch this guy of yours there is a fence you have put around him there is a hedge of protection you put around that guy and I can't get to him I can't touch him I can't put my diseases on him I can't put my sicknesses on him I can't put my destruction on him I, I just can't get to him Oh, Pastor Stephen, the devil, he's big and bad. And that coronavirus, watch out, it can jump on anybody. Not on a covenant man or woman, it can't. 
no more than Satan could jump on Job. Couldn't do it. And he said, I can't, I can't get him. You've got a fence around him. I can't get him. What is, what is Psalm 91? It is the revelation of the fence of the covenant of God's protection around your life. And if you'll believe it, you'll find out that it is a fence that the enemy cannot penetrate. And germs can't penetrate. This, this, stuff, this stuff can't get to you. It can't get to you. I'm not saying it's not out there. And I'm not saying it might not even touch you. But even if it touches you. Even, even as Jesus said, that if you were to drink deadly poison, it will not harm you. That if you were to be bit, bitten by a venomous serpent, it would not hurt you. And if something should touch you, or something should get into you through a method or format that you were unaware of, but nevertheless you've been bitten, or you drank it, or you touched it. Because after all, our bodies, our skin, it's, we're nothing but a big sponge, right? <laughs> that's, that's what our skin is. Our skin allows things to pass out, but it can also absorb. So if something happened that was beyond your control, well, just stand your ground in the covenant. Just say, well, I may have touched it, but I'm still protected. It, praise God. It cannot pretend it cannot penetrate the covenant that I'm walking in. So you walk in an immunity against those things. And this is not Stephen Brooks's word. This is God's word. And I choose to believe it. And I know that you do too. Praise God. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. The Israelis, they have a lot of experience with this, uh, even as uh, the terrorists have gotten even more diabolical and evil in their cunning and in their planning, where, yes, they still launch rockets from the Gaza Strip, uh, Hamas and Hezbollah, they're, they're still doing their evil terror attacks of sending rockets over. But, you know, they, they just realize, hey, you know, they've got, you know, the Israelis have the Iron Dome, American technology, praise God. They've got the Iron Dome, so they're shooting our rockets down. So let's use other things. And so now they're flying bombs over and, uh, and these other explosives by drones. And they're also using balloons. And the balloons are beautiful, bright colored balloons that children would just love to hold and grab. And they're sending over these big groups of balloons that are secretly carrying powerful explosives and they're endeavoring on purpose to go after the kids they want the balloons to land and uh, innocent children unsuspecting kids to come up and say oh look at the beautiful balloons and the next thing boom okay but of course the Israelis they're smart to it and uh, you know but I'm just saying the enemy he's very he's very evil he's very evil so you know when you know who you are in the Lord you you need to take advantage of these covenant rights such as you will not be afraid of the arrow that flies by day. So whether that arrow is a missile being launched by a terrorist or a bunch of balloons with a bomb loaded to it, you will not be afraid and there's protection, praise God. Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Well, we are in the end times. I think with the things that we've experienced with the coronavirus, we have a, a wake up in the sense where, you know, we need to be prepared in our hearts to stand in the covenant, to stand in Psalm 91 and experience God's protection. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How about verse 7? Look at this one. Dare to believe this. Take 
Bold faith and believe, verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side. Now, you don't want to see a thousand fall and die, perhaps from a, a pestilence, a dangerous disease, a biological weapon, a bi you know, a, 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 an invisible gas that could be released, uh, uh, you know, a, a virus so small that you can't see it unless you have a microscope. You don't want something like that to be released and to take the lives of innocent people. But let me just tell you this. Despite the awful things that would happen, you are a covenant child, and you are different, and you have exemption because of covenant privilege. Believe it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. A thousand may fall at your side. Okay? There's exemption for you, though. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand. Pastor Stephen, have you heard how many people have died? Yes, it's tragic. And yes, it's sad. And yes, we want to do all that we can to bring comfort and help to those that would be sick, to those that would be ill, to those that would even die. We want to reach out and, uh, and love and bless the families. See, even Jesus touched the leper. Jesus touched the leper. And the leprosy was contagious. Absolutely. That's why there was the, you know, Mosaic law that if you're a leper, you have those, those skin diseases outside the camp. Why? It's highly contagious. And so, you know, we understand these things in biblical law, uh, which came from God, understood germs and diseases and, you know, microscopic bacteria before science ever verified their reality. God knew all about that. That's why he had separation, and that's why uh, he insisted that the camp be clean. Okay, take your waste outside of the camp. You got to go to the bathroom, go outside of the camp and bury it, dig a hole, bury it. All of these things, sanitation laws, all of these things, with which other nations didn't figure out for thousands of years. God's people knew. God's people knew. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But my friends, we, we need to be people of covenant understanding. Praise the Lord. Mm. Yes, Jesus touched the, the leper. Jesus was a covenant man. He understood. Now, you wouldn't normally just go out, you know, put your hands on a leper just to, you know, you're not trying to prove something. You're not trying to be, you know, foolish or, uh, uh, you know, or stupid or something like that. We understand contagion and we understand how things can be spread. But we also understand the covenant. And when that anointing's there and God's protection is there, yes, there is that touch of faith. And Jesus touched a leper, and it didn't touch him, it didn't get on him. But, but miracle power, praise God, got on the leper, and the leper was healed. Mm, the leper was completely cleansed, praise the Lord. Speaking of Dr. John G. Lake, who I mentioned earlier, when he was ministering in Africa, and people were dying by the thousands of the plague, he volunteered to go in there and to pray over people and minister to people. And they said, oh, no, you're going to get sick. It's going to get on you. He said, no, it won't. No, it won't. And so uh, he'd go there and pray. And people that had already died, he would help move them and, you know, help make arrangements for a, a you know, a proper burial where there's dignity. And that plague was just all over him. And the scientist said, the doctor said, how come this is not affecting you? He said, because I'm a covenant man, I have a covenant with God, and I know my, my covenant privileges, and I also know who I am in Christ. It can't touch me. And they literally put his hands underneath the microscope and put the bacteria, the, the plague on him, and you could just see it. The moment that it touched his hands, it touched his skin, it would die. It would die. And they, they, they were just puzzled by it, as they, as they were basically looking at a miracle. 
praise God. But, but these things must become normal. This, this type of living amongst the people of God must become reality, praise God, so that we're the ones that can go in there. Hallelujah. I, I'd have no problem if the government says, hey, let's get some ministers and send them to the cruise ship. Get those ministers that have faith, that have healing anointing, and put them on the cruise ship. There's 4,000 people on the cruise ship, and half of them are infected with the virus. Now, release the ministers, put them there, and release them to pray over them. What? I, yeah, let's go. Praise God. But see, if you're not in the secret place, uh, you know, you're, you're on dangerous ground. This is a time you can't, you can't toy or play with your Christian experience. This is a time where you can't be fake and say, we got it over here. We got the real thing. Well, we'll find out if you've got the real thing or not in moments where these things begin to happen. So don't be trying to fake it. The, the, you know, I'll, Pastor Steve, I'm going to fake it until I make it. No, no, that's you're, you're going to fake it. Then you're, you're not going to make it. You, you could die. Okay. So none of that silliness. Okay. So be the real thing and live in the secret place. And you'll find out that there is a covenant and it will uphold you, and it will exempt you. And even as it says, a thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. It will not come near you. Well, Pastor Stephen, I don't understand that. This is called a miracle. It's called protection. This is, this is not complicated. This is just taking God at His Word and believing it. And by the way, this is Old Covenant. If the children of God had this under the Old Covenant, and we are told that the new covenant is a better covenant? Well, how much more? How much more do we have with the Lord to walk as ambassadors of Christ in the earth with the message of the good news? Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Praise God. Coronavirus is very serious. It's, it's a very serious thing. But the sin condition of humanity is much worse condition because you can die, you know, you know, not from a sickness or disease, but just die, let's say, from old age, but because you never received Christ. You never received, you never received the cleansing for your sins. So you lose your soul for all eternity. You're separated from God in the place of damnation for all eternity. So while the coronavirus is something that we need to be mindful of and be aware of and pray for those that are suffering, we need to keep preaching the gospel. We need to keep lifting up Jesus because only Jesus, only Jesus provided the vaccination for the sin problem. The greatest thing that ever hit the planet that infected everybody. Anybody born on the planet, you've got the sin problem. And Jesus has the only cure. It's his shed blood and faith and trust in him to be redeemed from sin. And if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get everything else thrown in. Woo, all the blessing package is thrown in. Woo, eternal life. You, you, even when your life ends, you get to go to heaven. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But while on the earth, the things that you need, they are included in that new covenant that has been paid for, purchased for through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, but you're afraid, you're afraid of the coronavirus, you're, you're afraid of the plagues, and you're afraid of the things that can just come out of nowhere and hit you, and you want to be in a place of safety, Jesus is that place. And if you don't know him, Right now, why don't you make him the Lord and Savior of your life? And then, 
then you can come into the secret place of the Most High. And then you can say, a thousand may fall at my right, and ten thousand, uh, a thousand at my left, ten thousand at my right, but it will not come near me. See, then that can be your promise that you can believe and receive. But it's only available in Jesus. It's only available in Jesus. If you don't know the Lord right now, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. I give my life to you. And Jesus, thank you for saving me. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. I now belong to you. My heart, my whole life belongs to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now tell him this. Say, Jesus, I'm claiming Psalm 91, your divine protection. I'm claiming verse 7, that this sickness, this disease, these contagious things that are out there, they will not come near me. And I believe your word. Woo, praise God. My friends, those of you that have prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God that includes divine protection to the one that's walking in verse 1, dwelling with the Lord. Spend time with God. Spend time with God. Pray. Seek God. Spend time in His Word. You know, it has been said that the end-time church, get ready for this, that the end-time church in many ways will be a church and I just, I just had a, an apostle from a, uh, on the other side of the world email this to me also. So many have said it. The end time church will be a church that will be linked together through online streaming. Oh, really? Through an internet church? Through online getting together? Really? Praise the Lord. Mm, hallelujah. Some of you are at the forefront of that. We've been doing that for over 10 years. Streaming online church back over a decade ago when people said oh there's no such thing as an online church well don't tell us that we've got church members from all over the world literally from all over America and from all over the world now we don't have as far as I know any uh, members from Antarctica praise God but as far as I understand they've got internet up there in certain areas and I believe it's coming to them too and we'll have members there as well and so from North Pole, South Pole, and around the world. Praise God. The Lord has brought people and has connected people to this ministry. And we have many online church members from around the world, as well as ministry partners. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, you know what? If you can't, if you can't get to a church service because maybe the government has said, hey, you know, things are contagious right now. Just kind of stay home. Let's not do large meetings. You know what? We can still get together on the Internet. And Jesus said, where two or three or more are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. Mm, 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 mm. It is true. It is true. It is true. Praise God. The Lord is good. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, a sound mind and a spirit of power. Praise God. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. That's bold faith. That's bold faith that believes God's word. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. And if you're not in that place, you need to come into that place of confidence in God's Word. And it sure worked for God's people. 
It sure worked for God's people as He protected them. He protected them from all types of threats and all types of adversaries, and He'll protect you. The same God that delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will deliver you. The same God that delivered Daniel will deliver you. He will deliver you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There is no new threat. God's aware of all of these things. God's aware of all the diabolical plots or whatever it is. Oh, but Pastor Stephen, this is something they cooked up in the laboratory. It's a biological weapon. Ah, you know, God's aware of all of that stuff. So God's able to protect you from anything and everything. Nuclear fallout, radiation, whatever. God will protect you. See, as a child of God, He has a responsibility to feed you, to clothe you, to protect you. You're His child. And when you're His child, you come into covenant with God. And as long as you believe, long as you believe, God will take you through anything. He'll take you through anything. As long as you believe and you're a covenant person, you believe in the covenant, it'll uphold you. By the way, it's upholding the universe. It's still causing everything to orbit the way it's supposed to. It still causes everything to move in the right motion that it's supposed to. And it, it's always going to be working. God's controlling it. So put your faith and trust in Him, and you'll go right on through. I'm not saying I'm not saying stuff won't be shaking out there, but I, I will say this with tremendous confidence. You will go right on through. Mm, don't fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear. That is not your portion. You have no inheritance of fear. Thank you, Jesus. Be careful. Because it says in the Bible, Exodus chapter 23, verse 2, do not follow a crowd in wrongdoing. Pastor Stephen, I've got to get down to that store. I've got to get more toilet paper. Why? Uh, did you eat something that upset your stomach? Well, I, I don't know. I just know people are buying it, and I've got to get some. Well, why? They're all down there fighting and killing each other over toilet paper. Why do you need so much toilet paper? Well, I, I, I don't know. That's just what we should do. No, that, that's just a spirit of fear. That's a spirit of fear. And you're going to look really weird one month from now when you've got a whole garage full of toilet paper, and you're going to think, what in the world came over me that caused me to go buy a whole garage full of toilet paper? Spirit of fear. It's a crowd. It can't. It's a crowd thing. It's a crowd. Watch out. I, I'm not against crowds. God's not against crowds. But watch out what can happen to a crowd when fear hits it. Exodus 23 verse 2. Do not follow a crowd in wrongdoing. Oh, there's nothing wrong with buying toilet paper. There's nothing wrong with buying hand sanitizer. We buy that stuff too. But are you buying it in fear? Do you, do you really think that that hand sanitizer is going to safeguard your life in the midst of? Some of the awful stuff that's out there. You're going to need a lot more protection, brother, my sister, than hand sanitizer. And let me say this. You're going to need a lot more protection than toilet paper. I know that you're not looking at toilet paper as your God. I know there's probably not anybody bowing down to a roll of toilet paper. But run to the Lord. Don't run to the toilet paper. Run to the Lord and worship Him. And praise Him for His covenant-keeping power. Praise God. And you'll be just fine. You'll be just fine. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Sound mind. A sound mind. Those who know their God win in perilous times. In the end days, when the Antichrist begins to come on the scene, those who know their God shall be strong. Pastor Stephen, I'm strong in, in toilet paper. No, no, no. Shall be strong and do exploits. Mm. That, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that you don't prepare. But it does mean that you don't get in the fear and do goofy stuff. 
Praise God. Those who know their God shall be strong, mm, stable mind, strength. And people look at you so they don't fall apart. Ooh, they look at you for stability. Mm, shall be strong and do exploits. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me say this. Those that really do know their God and are strong in Him go up when others are actually going down. They're actually doing exploits when you are expected to fall apart. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to do exploits right now, right in the thick of all of this goofy stuff going on. Yeah, we're going up right now. Oh, no, we can't do it now. Yes, we're going forward right now. Praise the Lord. And some of the greatest accomplishments have been carried out at the worst times in history. When there's no money, oh, we can't do it now, there's a recession. That's when some of the greatest facilities that ministers have built. Hallelujah. Church of God in Christ. Apostle Charles Harrison Mason built that beautiful facility there in Memphis, Tennessee. They built it debt-free during the greatest economic crunch to hit the nation. And also when steel was in very short supply. Well, don't tell him that. That's when they built that facility. Still standing there today as a testimony that God keeps covenant. Praise God. You don't have to go backwards. Oh, Pastor Stephen, we're going to lose a bunch of money. Uh, well, if you did have stock and the stock went down, just hold steady. Don't start selling off. Don't, don't follow the mob in doing evil. Don't follow the crowd. Hold steady. Composure. As you've noticed, it's already the stock market's already coming back up. I'm not saying it's going to come up overnight. But I'm saying God uh, has his hand on President Trump. Trump is God's man. Uh, don't bet against President Trump. There's probably some of you watching. Maybe you don't like him. I like him a lot. I love him. I pray for him every day. And I hope you can understand that and receive that by love. And if you are a Democrat, I need to let you know, I prayed for President Obama, too, all the time. I prayed for he and his wife, Michelle. I prayed for them with love. I prayed with them for compassion. And now that Trump's in office, and I believe uh, Trump is God's man for this hour, for this assignment, I'm praying for him. Do not bet against President Trump. He's not a billionaire by luck, chance, or accident. He knows what he's doing. He has a financial anointing. And I'm telling you, that stock market's going to go back up. So if if you're get if you're nervous, don't start selling off. You know you're violating the number one principle, which is buy low, sell high. Don't sell low. <laughs> you're doing exactly what you're not supposed to do. Hold steady, hold steady. Everything's going to be all right. Praise the Lord, and the the they lift him back up. It's not too far away. Praise the Lord. I believe we're going to pull out of this. Within just a couple of months, I believe by the time we, we clear, uh, let me say it like this, by the, time, by the time we get into May, things are going to be running a lot smoother. And I know there's been a lot of criticism because this in, in some ways hit America out of the blue, and people have criticized the government saying you didn't respond fast enough, people can't get tested. Well, you know, this, this did in a sense come out of the blue, came out from China, we know, but 
you know, anytime there's something new, it's going to be really hard to cover that because, the, you know, you're looking at trying to take care of millions and millions of people. So let's not be critics. Let's just pray and support. This is difficult for any government. It doesn't matter who's leading. This would be very, very, diff very difficult for any government. But our, our government is doing the best they can. And I believe that we need to encourage them and uh, pray for them because this is a monumental challenge for any leadership of any nation. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, my friends, this is the time for you to move into that verse one of living in the secret place. And you're, you will know, you will know the supernatural protection of God. Hallelujah. 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 Woo. Glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Move into that place. And all of the promises of Psalm 91, after verse 1, they all will belong to the person who meets those conditions of dwelling with the Lord, of living closely with the Lord in the secret place. Mm. Don't get so busy with life that you start to violate verse 1 of Psalm 91. Don't get so busy that you're not in that place. You know when you're not there. You, your heart tells you. You know when you're not there. Get back into that place. That is the place of safety, not the hand sanitizer. Praise God. Nothing wrong with hand sanitizer, but you need Psalm 91, verse 1, a lot more than a bucket of hand sanitizer. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's take communion today. Let's take communion. Those of you that are watching, let's do this together. Hallelujah. Get some unleavened bread, get some grape juice. We're going to take Holy Communion. This is wonderful. Mm -mm. And as we do this, let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment or the wrath that was necessary for our peace was placed upon him and by his stripes we are healed now the apostle peter after the crucifixion was accomplished of the christ and his resurrection his ascension into heaven the apostle peter looking back on this fact looking back on what jesus did at calvary said in first peter chapter 2 verse 24 by his stripes we were healed, not are healed. Past tense. Jesus did it for us at Calvary. Now we were healed. So you take that, that promise. You take that work of what Christ did. You tie into that through faith. And you take a hold of those promises, praise God. And you enact them in your life. Now look at this. He was wounded for our transgressions. What is a transgression? A transgression means to go beyond a law, in this case, referring to the laws of God. You go beyond the law of God, that is a transgression, and that is a form of sin, okay? A transgression means you go beyond it. If the speed limit is 55, the law says 55, don't go beyond it, but you're going 110, well, you've gone way beyond it. You have transgressed the law. So this is what it means in the eyes of God concerning His laws. You transgress them when you break them and when you go beyond them. That is a transgression. And He was wounded for our transgressions. 
Some, some translations say pierced, but it's the same type of thing, a wound or a pierce, a cutting or a, a puncture. Well, you know, um, put some neosporin on that. Uh, you know, uh, if you have to put some stitches in there, sew it back up and put a Band-Aid on it, whatever the case might, it might be, but it's a wound. Okay, so he was wounded at, at Calvary for our transgressions. He was wounded. He was wounded. He was wounded awfully awfully wounded but but my friends iniquities are worse he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities now a bruising is different from a wounding a bruising denotes a deeper impact of damage and uh, uh, literally a bruise can take months and months to heal it damages the flesh not just a surface area but the deep tissue and a severe a severe bruise can take a long long time to heal and he was bruised bless his holy name he was bruised for our iniquities what is an iniquity and iniquity is the Hebrew word anon, A-V, excuse me, avon, A-V-O-N. And it means something inside of you that's twisted, that's bent, or that has been distorted. And this is something, as even David spoke about in Psalm 51, that's passed into your DNA through your father and your mother. And so, something that maybe your grandfather or your parents or your great grandfather, something they did that was perverted. Well, Pastor Stephen, what would be an example? Of, we saw an example of a, a transgression, like violating the speed limit. What's an example of an iniquity? An example of an iniquity would be an, in, an inward inclination towards something that's perverted, towards something that's not natural. See, it's twisted. It means in the Hebrew, it means something that's twisted. This is not normal. It's not normal for an adult man to have a passion or desire for a four-year-old child. That's, that's perverted. What is that? An iniquity. Well, why would somebody have such a perverted desire like that? Well, David said that these iniquities could be passed on from relatives because they got over into an area of sin, of perversion, something that was bent, twisted, or distorted. And because they never overcame it or repented of it or got the victory over it, it's passed down through the DNA bloodline. And so, you know, you can be living your life, you're saved, you love Jesus, and you still have some really yucky desires that or uh, passions or inward pulls that could rise up in your flesh nature. And you think, what in the world is this? Why would, what is going on? I, I, I'm saved. I love Jesus. What in the world kind of crazy thought is this coming to me? That's an iniquitous type thought, an iniquitous type desire. But see, it says that he was bruised for the iniquities. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me say this about dark thoughts. Thoughts that you do not act on. Those thoughts die unborn. Well, Pastor Shiva had an awful thought. Did you act on it? No. Okay. Praise God. Thoughts that you do not act on. They die unborn. So just let them die. Don't act on it. Praise God. The devil, he may fly over your head and tried to throw 
thoughts towards your mind. He'll do that at times, okay? But just don't let him build a bird nest on top of your head. That's what Prophet Kenneth Hagin said. Don't let him build a bird nest on top of your head. But he still may fly by and shoot a few thoughts at you and try to connect with some type of iniquitous type thing. But but just resist, resist in the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, and say, no, hallelujah. He was bruised for my iniquities. I have been delivered and set free. I will not engage in such perversion or garbage. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, now I say this, we're going to take communion, because the iniquities can be deeper. That's why the wound is something that's deep something that uh, excuse me you, or you have the you have the wounds yes those are bad but the bruises are deeper and the iniquities can be very deep and there can be a healing that's involved by the Lord Jesus uh, here's an amazing statement that David made I, I want to read it this would be Psalm 51 verse 5 behold I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. What is the wisdom in the inward parts? That Christ gives you victory over inner iniquitous desires. He gives you victory over that. He was deeply bruised. Woo! All of that went on him. Every impure thing went on him, every vile, distorted, twisted, yucky, nasty, filthy, dirty, sin, iniquity, transgression. All of it went on him at Calvary. He took all of it upon him so that we could be free. He, so that we could be free. Praise God. What an amazing God that we serve. So again, he says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement the punishment for our peace in other words the punishment the justice the metting out of punishment for all of that stuff that was necessary for our peace was placed upon him where at Calvary so that we can be free mm, mm, mm. thank you Jesus hallelujah walking in the covenant living a clean life living a clean life I believe with all of my heart, that the greatest miracle, the greatest proof of the born-again experience, yes, is the inward witness of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit to take a man or woman that used to be spiritually dead, living in sin, who's now been recreated through the new birth, born again on the inside, and now placed by God into a filthy, dirty world, where the world, the flesh, the devil, all of these things trying to, trying to get you to give in, all of these things, and yet, in the midst of it, God empowers you to live clean. You're like the fish swimming through the salt water, but the salt's not getting on the inside of you. You're, you're protected. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The power of God to live a clean life, to say no to sin, to say no to iniquity, to live clean and pure, even as David said, in the inner secret place to know that wisdom. What is that wisdom? That Jesus... Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and there's freedom from all of that junk. Praise God. 
And you don't have to have a secret problem. You don't have to have skeletons in the closet just ready to jump out at the worst possible moment. But you have been set free. Praise God forever. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So many blessings that Jesus has in store for us. We are literally right now at the banquet table of God. We are, we are at the feast spread for us right now. Forgiveness of sins, the power, the ability to live a life pleasing to God publicly and secretly. And if you make a mistake, you sin, you just, you confess it, you go before the Lord, and it's washed away with the blood of Jesus. He forgives you. Hallelujah. Protection from, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the diseases and all of the things that are out there. Protection from the coronavirus, swine flu, pig flu, all these other things, SARS disease. Praise God. Protection through the blood of Jesus, through the covenant that is working right now for God's people. Let's, let's get ready to receive. Father, we pray over the bread, over the juice. We consecrate this. This is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. And we proclaim His death till He comes. That it's through His death that He bore all of these awful things, sins, transgressions, trespasses, iniquities, He bore it all so that we can be righteous, holy, and clean. Thank you, Father. As a, as a minister of the gospel, Father, I just pray for your people that if there's any sin and iniquity that they've committed or would be committing, Father God, that as they confess that and uh, as they plead the blood, and take hold of the power of your spirit. I thank you, Father. You're washing all sins and iniquities away right now. All of them gone in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you for the body of Christ. This is his body. As we receive it, we are receiving his promises, his strength, and the power to do exploits. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's receive the body of Jesus. There's a healing anointing flowing right now. There are some of you, this is what I'm getting from the Holy Spirit. There are, there's a small group of you that you, you're actually wondering, do I actually have this, uh, this thing? Has the coronavirus got on me? Because you, maybe you think you, you're feeling some symptoms or, you know, uh, and you're, you're wondering, do I even have it? I sense of the Holy Spirit to tell you that you do not have it. And don't let the enemy fake you out. Try to get you in a position where you open up to it. And then you do get it, okay? So don't, don't receive these fake symptoms. I believe you're okay. Praise God. So I plead the blood of Jesus over you. Healing anointing over you. Receive. And if you are watching me today and you were diagnosed with it, believe God for healing right now. Praise God. And I rebuke that filthy virus in the name of the Lord Jesus. I command it to loose your body and to leave your body in the name of Jesus. Coronavirus, leave in the name of Jesus. Die and get out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for peace, safety, and protection. 
Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I speak financial preservation over you in this hour also. In the name of Jesus, receive. Hallelujah. If you're watching, maybe you've lost money in the stock market. Maybe, maybe other things have affected your finances negatively. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord. Hold steady, and the Lord will lift you back up. Serve Him. He'll lift you back up. Your ship, your financial ship will sail again. Praise God. Father, we give you praise. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And we thank you that the punishment that we deserved was put on him. We thank you that by his stripes we were healed. We thank you for healing, 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 healing. Father, we celebrate Jesus, Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Thank you. Sickness and disease has no right in our body. We rebuke it. We resist it in the name of Jesus. We are covenant people, and we walk in the blessing of divine health. Father, we celebrate Christ now. We receive his precious blood in Jesus' name. Let's receive. The Lord Jesus wants to heal heart conditions right now. If that's you, you've had, you've had weakness of heart. Maybe your, your heart even um, has those skipping times or flutters or things like that. Put your hand on your heart right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release the healing anointing now into those hearts. Be healed in the name of the Lord. Be healed in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And the Lord also is going to help you to lose weight. He's going to help you to lose some weight. Receive in the name of Jesus. That's an anointing. Hallelujah. I rebuke the spirit of heaviness. Go from the people of God in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Lord, we give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There's a person, your name is Gloria. And you've, it's like you've been in a fog lately. It's like I see uh, evil spirits. They look like flies. They've been, you, you, have, you can't see them in the natural, but they've been like around you. It's like you've been in the confusion. I break that in the name of Jesus right now. I break that satanic attack against your life right now. Your finances have also been attacked. And Gloria, I speak recovery into your life now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, you feel happy now. You feel uplifted right now in the name of Jesus. You've also had, you've had asthma, and the Lord is healing you of shortness of breath and of asthma. He's healing you now. Receive in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. There's somebody watching. Your name is Joy, and you have not been living in the. You, the, the that's your name, but it has not been your reality. Okay, but the Lord says today is today where that turns. And so, Joy, I just speak blessing and release of God's happiness and peace over your life. The Lord says, don't worry about things that have troubled you so much. The Lord says, let it go. I'm going to make it all right, but just trust me. The Lord says, start looking to me and start praising me, and I'm going to begin to turn it around mightily. And the Lord says, for you, if, if you will praise me, I will turn everything into sunshine. So joy, lift up, lift up your eyes to the Lord and receive blessing and breakthrough now in the name of Jesus and begin to praise the Lord in a way like you never have before. Sunshine is flooding into your life. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Or somebody watching your name is David. You haven't lived up to that name either. You've been groping and moping and complaining. And the Lord says, if you'll praise me like David did and dance, if you'll dance in the spirit and praise me, the Lord said, I'll turn your losses into victories. 
Father, we give you praise. Hallelujah. I release that anointing now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I break fear off of your people, Father God. Hallelujah. I speak there will be no loss in your life. There will be provision in your house. You are a covenant child. There will be no financial loss in your life. Praise God. God will sustain you in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord, God will sustain you. And many of you, this will even be moments of upward climb financially in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Now, as ambassadors of the Lord, spread faith, not fear. Yes, we want to be wise. We want to walk in wisdom. We also want to walk in obedience to civil laws. And we also want to extend compassion and love to people. But my friends, extend it in faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see that any germ, virus, disease, bacteria that touches you that would try to harm your body dies the instant it touches your skin. The instant it touches your body would be breathed in or smelled in or exhaled in. It will not affect you, says the Lord. In the name of Jesus, believe it. Hallelujah. Faith is generated in the secret place. Faith is generated from spending time with God and meditating on His Word. Hallelujah. Victory is your portion and nothing less than that. Father, we give you all of the praise in the name of Jesus. We all agree and say, Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My friends, thank you for joining me today. Remember, this is a, this is a time to be very focused on making good decisions. If you find yourself, maybe you're at home and you have some free time, uh, maybe because you're not at work right now and you think, Pastor Stephen, what should I do? Well, seek the Lord, have a good time with the Lord. But I also really feel from the Lord, this is a good time to go through your closets, things that you don't wear, things that you don't use, uh, clothes that you haven't worn for 10 years. <sighs> Bless somebody with them. Clear that stuff out. Hallelujah. Clear it out. If you want a new mantle, you got to get rid of get rid of the old mantle. Well, Pastor Stephen, those are my favorite clothes. But yeah, they're just sitting there. You're never going to wear them again. You need to bless somebody with those clothes. If there's things that you can do to streamline your life, make it more efficient, clean house, because that's what Passover is all about. We're coming to the Passover. It's getting the leaven out. Leaven represents sin. That involved the cleaning of the house. We're in that season. Go through your house. Go through your closets. Go through your garages, and just get junk out. Uh, if you don't, if it's if it's junk, throw it away. But if it's something you can bless somebody with, you don't use it. You're never ever going to use it again. Get it out of your life. Praise God. Declutter your life. Praise the Lord. Clean your house. Go through your closets. Go through your closets. Bless those who don't have who don't have nice things. There's a lot of people out there, they're hurting. They could use some new shirts, some new clothes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Walk in the blessing of the Lord. You are blessed to be a blessing. Have a giving spirit. Woo! Praise the Lord. All right. It's been a joy today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay blessed. Stay in the protection of the secret place. Bye-bye. <laughs>